Hi, I'm Kara Kilmer. I play Sylvie Brennan on Chicago Fire, and you are listening to Minas Amolis. gonna be all sunshine and roses but i can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride Hey, Shy Hearts, welcome to episode 154 of Meet Us at Molly's. We've got a jam-packed episode for you guys today. Jam-packed. Um, we're going to cover our top 10 favorite one Chicago scenes of all time, but like there's news and there's a lot of news and we're, we're getting back in the swing. It kind of feels good. I know. It makes me really excited. Although some of this news is not that exciting. No, I know. It's, but... a, it's a give and take. I know. But um, as always, I'm Gina. I'm joined by Bryna. Hello, everybody. Okay. So as we said, jam packed, jam packed. We got a lot of news to cover. Not a lot of news. But we have a lot of stuff to cover, like a lot. So let's just dive right into the news. Now, Bryna, I have good news and I have bad news. Take your pick. Which would you like first? <sighs> I guess let's just start with the bad news. I'm, st- I'm not over oh, it. No. I know. Okay. I know. So last weekend... We were all going about our business and then TV line and deadline dropped this notification that Lisette Chavez is not returning to Chicago PD in season eight. I'm sad. I'm so sad. Like I'm excited for her in her new role. Don't get me wrong, but I'm totally sad. I know. It was just so unexpected too. Yeah. And like, it, like you said, it was the Saturday and it was just like, oh, Okay cool but not but yeah i hate when when chicago news breaks and we're in the middle of stuff and i'm just like but i don't i I don't have feels to devote to this right now i'm trying to adult and like be a normal person and now i'm sad i know yeah (sighs) it was really sad so the tv line article just says that she won't be off tv screens for long because lisette has landed a series regular role on the cw's legends of tomorrow and if you've checked her insta story in recent days i mean she's already in vancouver getting settled in yeah i mean i'm like i'm really excited for her like you said i'm just sad because we didn't get her for long enough and it just made me really we really didn't and like she became part of the family very very fast and so you know it's just a bummer but uh according to deadline Lisette's option was not picked up after the series creative team had decided to wrap her arc i'm surprised that her deal was one season unless that's how it is for everybody who comes in and then they just decide to pick them up later well i mean i think she was also technically recurring like technically yeah, we usually see that where they come in recurring and then they're up to regular after that. Right. Um, so I guess they just decided not to. We will miss you, Vanessa Rojas. I know. Um, there's will. a lot of speculation within the fandom right now that she is going to die and that they're not just going to write her off. They're going to kill her off. I know. But that's going to be so hard. I feel like given the fact that she's already gone and like just the way that last season ended and the fact that she's not going to obviously come back and film anything. So like she's going to die off screen. Right. If that were to be the case. And that's just going to, I feel like be so unsatisfying too, if that is the case. Big time. But you remember the speculation late last season that they were saying, you know, somebody, you know, is going to die. Right. 
No, I, I mean, I think I, it makes a lot of sense. I'm just saying it's going to be even more unsatisfying, I think, just given how everything happened. I mean, it's kind of going to be like when Antonio left. Oh, my goodness. Right? Yeah. Like, it was just so unsatisfying um, because it was like he was leaving and they didn't really wrap up his arc at the end of season six. And then now we came back this year and it was like, oh, just kidding. It was just, it was just like such a bizarre way for it to end. Which... And, I, and I get obviously too, like they can't, they couldn't have really helped this mm-hmm. one because of the pandemic and they didn't get to film two or three episodes there at the end of last season. But still. Which exit was more aggravating in PD history? Lindsay's or Antonio's? Antonio's only because Lindsay's was aggravating in the fact that like we all thought she was going to come back because she's done this before and then she didn't come back Antonio's was just they didn't even really wrap up any it just it just frustrates me Mm -hmm. they didn't really wrap up any ends they it just it was just such bad writing it was just not Anything with Antonio when he came back from justice was just not good. It wasn't great. No, it was not great. Um, I will also tell you that there are some fanfics that have started to pop up to fill in that white space of Haley coming back from New York and then like getting the news about Vanessa. <sighs> just, yeah. I, yeah. It's, yeah. It's a sad time. It's a sad time. Um, I guess now's the time to talk about the Zoom picture that popped up right before we started recording. <laughs> Not to make a terrible yeah. segue, but there um, a, a photo popped up. We we love our first day of school po- photos, which are you know the photos that pop up when it's like first group shot of season whatever. And Med might have had theirs a couple of days ago. They had their safety meeting, and we saw a little bit of a Zoom. PD had theirs. They must have had theirs on Thursday when you're listening or when we're recording this because. That their first day of school photo popped up, and the one missing is one Patrick John Fluger. And we're we're in a very fragile place right now. Okay, like we need assurance that nobody else is going to leave us. There is a chance that Patty's on there. There are a couple of screens that are no image that just say something generic like Chicago PD, and so they could be one of them. But yeah, that was my first thought: was like, where the fuck is Patty? Like, Patty cannot be absent. I can't. No, no. we can't. No, we no, can't. No, 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 That's not how this season is going to go. No, no, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. No, 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 no. If you could see the level of detail we just, like, peered at that photo with for, you know, however long we did, we were both, like, squinting and zooming in and being like, okay, well, look at that window. Who's in that screen? And, oh, God, just, we... We have trust issues, okay? Also, the random names on those photos, like on their Zoom names, like Jesse's is Arthur. Um, Tracy's, Tracy's was Fiona. Fiona. Yeah. What was uh, Jason's again? It was something completely different. I, I yeah, like Charles something. Yeah. Char- yeah. What? I don't understand. I, I don't, I don't understand either. But you know, we're just, just. PD fans are in a very fragile state right now, okay? Like, we we don't handle departures very well. No, not at all. But on the flip side of that, PD gave us bad news, but Fire gave us good news. Bryna, please take us away. Yes. So 
Deadline reported that Chicago Fire is adding Adrian Ray as a series regular for season nine. It says Ray will step into the role of paramedic Gianna Mackey in the procedural. Her character is described as a lovable troublemaker with a twinkle in her eye. She is also charming, scrappy, fun, witty, and good natured. Gianna comes from a family of working class parents who are adored by their community. This makes Gianna welcoming a welcoming and friendly individual who treats everyone like family, but don't get it twisted. I love that that's in there. She's no pushover. She's a tough and quick to defend the defenseless, isn't afraid of a little chaos, and rolls with the punches while approaching everything with a little bit of wry humor. I mean, based off this description, we're going to love her. I know. I'm really excited. Adrian's Insta is her just so grateful for the role. And I think she's already spoken to Kara and she's super excited about that. Um, I'm really excited to meet her. Uh, And uh, she's stunning. Oh, my God. That was like my first observation. I was like, she is so beautiful. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm really excited. I think she's going to fit in great. Um, We were talking over the last few days. Um, Gina, why don't you share with everyone your crossover ship for her? Okay, so we were explaining to our non-Chicago speaking friends, um, I I guess you can call them our like Chicago muggle friends, Uh, we were explaining to them what was going on and how, you know, Lisette left and, you know, it was such a bummer because everybody thought she was going to be Atwater's love interest and we loved her so much and I just casually was like, there's a new medic coming onto fire and I would be here for that crossover ship. And Bryna and our friends were like, hold the phone, stop, retract, like, look at what you just said. And I was like, okay, let me think about it. Ooh, ooh, okay, yeah, I like this. So, let's, Mackwater, we're going to start that now. Mackwater. Yes. Yeah. 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 Now, you also, you said, didn't you say that um, Deadline said that her name's going to be Georgia, not Gianna? No, it said Gianna. Okay, I thought I saw somewhere that her name was going to be Georgia, but I also had the thought because like we were texting away, just letting our minds run, and I was just like, oh my god, how cute would it be if like they started dating and Kevin called her Gigi for short? Just we need content, okay? Like our brains can only do so much. Yeah, I will say though, I am parting as excited as I am about this character. Part of me is just like a little sad that Violet's not going to come and take over. Cause I, and I hope that doesn't mean that, like, Violet's never going to be seen again. <laughs> like, I need my Violet and Gallo ship to take off this year. Like, I need it to take off. Yeah. Um. So, but I am really excited about Adrian. I'm really excited. I'm really excited. And we're going to try and get her on the pod so we can get to know her and introduce it to everybody. And yes. Welcome aboard to our crazy family, Adrian. <laughs> welcome aboard. Yes. Welcome to the dark side. We have cookies. Um, yeah, <laughs> we're all a little crazy here, but that's okay. But yeah, yeah I'm excited about that. So, um, Bryna, this next bit of news, this is all you, because this is your wheelhouse entirely. Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily news. We talked about the fact that Anne Heche was going to be a Dancing with Stars, but obviously it premiered this week, and I just feel like we need to discuss, like, for <laughs> two seconds. It's not going to be two seconds. She's a firecracker. Yeah, I was really surprised that, I I mean, I was expecting her to be like Brennan, which, like, I know better. That was naive. But she's so not. 
she walked in and she started doing that like stripping thing or whatever, like taking off that dress and like revealing the like short shorts underneath. And I was like, who is this lady? Yeah. She is not Brennan at all. No. Uh, which obviously she's just, that was just the character she played. But, and I was surprised she moved better than I thought she was going to. How'd she score? Cause I didn't see the whole episode. Um, I can tell you, hold on a second. Uh, she scored with, like, kind of the middle of the pack. I want to say, I think she got an 18. Hold on, okay. I'll tell you. That's yeah, she got bad. an 18. That's not bad. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, she's paired with Keo, who we both adore. Yes. Um, so, yeah, should be fun. Should be a fun season. It'll be good. It'll be good. So, um, yeah, yeah and we'll, we'll keep talking about Dancing with the Stars. Like, you know we will, because we just love that stuff. I, I, so Especially far... She's on. Yeah. As definitely. long as she's on, we will do a little report every week. I think so far, I am team Justina and Sasha. I don't really... I love that. I was surprised by her and how much I love her. Um, I loved... I mean, obviously, I love her. But, um, I mean, they weren't the best. I love them. I also just love Sharna and Jesse. <laughs> like, I, I love them. I love Sharna. I it just I missed her so much. I love her new hair. Me too. It's so good. It's so good. I also really loved um, Nelly and Daniela. I was so surprised by Nelly. I was too. And Daniela is like insane. Mm-hmm. She was so good. So so um, good. But yeah, yeah, I'm really excited. So yeah, as long as Anne's there, we will we will have recaps. So. Yeah. yeah, we will have recaps. We will have recaps. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. <laughs> so the last bit of news we have is some Chicago alumni news, because you know how much we love us some Charlie Barnett. He's just so cute. Um, Screen Magazine says that there's an NBC pilot that is set to shoot in November and a Chicago Fire alum stars, and that would be Charlie Barnett. So... Uh, Chicago Fire alum Charlie Barnett and Natalie Martinez, she's been on CSI New York, will be joining the cast of the NBC pilot. Oh, okay. The NBC pilot called Ordinary Joe is what it's called. So Martinez will star as Amy, described as a bright and caring woman who forms an immediate connection with Joe Kimbrough, who is played by James Walk, who is in Mad Men. Never watched Mad Men. Um, Barnett will play Eric Payne, one of Joe's closest friends. Ordinary Joe marks a reunion for Martinez and Barnett, who both starred in Secrets and Lies. The big thing here, you guys, the show is shooting in Chicago. Derek or somebody, whoever, whoever makes this happen, I need you to get him there on Back on Fire for like a hot second. We'll sponsor an Uber to get Charlie to set. Like, I mean, (laughs) just make it happen. We will we will pay for an Uber to get Charlie Barnett across Chicago to the firehouse. Right. Like, if he's already going to be in Chicago, like, why can't he just stay an extra couple days? I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, maybe you don't even need an actress to hire as his wife, which I know he has now that he's, like, moved off to Wilmington. Like, one of us can play his wife. I mean. (laughs) Oh, I don't know about that. This is all completely planned out. Like, get Charlie Barnett back on Chicago Fire. That is the mission. Right, and it's an NBC pilot. Like, come on. Yeah. Come on. It's too perfect. I don't under- or if this if, doesn't happen, I will be sad. If it doesn't have to be Mills, then, like, make it a crossover. Make the fire kids come over to Ordinary Joe. Like, don't do it vice versa, because then Charlie <laughs> has to be Mills. But, like, this has to happen. It's too easy. 
so good. Yeah, I just, once I saw that, I was like, make it happen. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Just make it happen. It happen. Again, it's out there now. We will pay for the Uber to get Charlie Parton to the set. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's a crossover and he needs to be on PD, he can just walk down the block. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, man. So so funny so good that is about all the news we've got um but as always you guys are really good about sending it to us and thank god there's news again it just feels so good to be getting back into the swing of things i know like and soon enough probably in a couple weeks like i hope we'll have episode descriptions like we're getting there tina we're really getting there we're getting there we're getting there we're so close i think as of the day you're listening to this it's 54 days until november 11th 54 so crazy just keep counting those days keep counting those days so without further ado i think it's time to jump into the episode shall we let's do it okay i i love that you had the idea to do this episode because i'm really excited to talk about some of the scenes that were just like stuck in my brain where i'm just like oh i love that but also this was really hard this was really hard. I think that honestly, the biggest the reason it was so hard for me was trying to distinguish things, distinguish between what is just memorable and what I actually consider to be a favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there is a distinction just because something's memorable and iconic doesn't mean it's my favorite. Um, which is I it's funny because one of the first scenes that I thought of when I was thinking about my favorite med scenes was one that you're going to talk about, but it's not my favorite. It's just memorable to me. Okay. Um, and so I was like, oh, well, that wouldn't make my list. But like it is an image and something I think about. Yeah. So um, but yeah, so it was really hard, but it was really fun too to be like, oh, yeah, let me think about go back and watch this episode. Oh, that's such a good one. Um, and you guys had so many good ones, too. Um, yeah. So that also helped trigger my memory. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you want to flip-flop on these? Yeah, I think that makes sense. Okay. I want you to go first because your first one is a, is a really, really good one. Yeah. Um, also, I noticed a pattern <laughs> in my favorite scenes. I apparently really love end, like, montage monologues. Okay. Like, I don't know why, but I really do. There's, like, a, co- a few of them on my list. Um, and so my first one is from Fire 107, and it's Otis's big monologue when he, like, figures out his podcast, and it's at the end of the Thanksgiving, Fire's, like, first Thanksgiving episode. And it's basically just talking about, like, um, how they, they basically had, like, a really rough shift, and it was the fact that it fell during Thanksgiving when they weren't all with their families, and it was just, like, a really hard shift for all of them. Um, and so Otis gives this whole thing on his podcast about how, like, you know, some days are bad on the shift, um, and, like, how sometimes you can go through and, like, when you're in a fire and, like, miss a kid and whatever. And, like, just how some days, too, like, you get to see things that nobody sees, like... You know, a wife grateful that you dragged her husband to safety, a grown man dripping like a faucet because you saved his son. And every once in a while, you could see a baby take its breath in the middle of the 10 car pile up with lights and sirens and a whole group of firemen standing around and just clapping till it hurts. Those are good days. You know, you want to know what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful because I have two families and not too many people can say that. Like it just to me, especially because this was in season one. It just truly embodies what this show was about. Um, and obviously, it's 
played over a whole bunch of scenes. And so, like, you see Herman going home to his real family and, like, Cindy set up, like, a second Thanksgiving for them. And you see, like, Casey and Hallie have a whole moment in which, like, TBT to Hallie. And it's just, like, there's a lot of different things happening. Um, But, like, I just love the idea of Firehouse being a family. And I just, I love this scene. That's so sweet. That's such a throwback, too. Yeah. Um, And obviously, like, throwing it back to Otis and his podcast Mm -hmm. and Otis with the long hair. And, yeah, it's just, it's so good. Otis walked so we could run. (laughs) 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 Yeah, Just kidding. But also, like, how many of us is that true for in this fandom that we've got two families now? You know, we have our real life families, but we've also got our fandom family. And people who are not in fandom will laugh a lot, but it's completely true. Yeah, well, and I'd even say that, too, I mean, about, like, our, fr- like, our close group of friends, Gina, that mm-hmm. are, like, our group chat friends. Yeah. Um, you know, like, I'd say about, like, a couple other different groups of friends that I have. You know, I'm lucky that I have friends that I would consider family. Um, but I'm so, you know, and I just, I just love this scene so much. It's sweet. It's sweet. And, uh, you know, one of the other fandoms I'm in, we all know, is Supernatural. And they just wrapped filming, I want to say, like, last week yeah. for, for good. And the the last day of filming, a lot of my Supernatural friends were posting, you know, just pictures from, like, past conventions and, you know, other things. And, uh, you know, I was in a couple of them and just seeing their posts about, like, you know, all the memories made, all the friends made and seeing the pictures from, like, where I've been because of that show, like Nashville, Las Vegas and, like, the friends I've made. I'm just like, damn, like, all of this came from a television show. Like, that's freaking badass. Yeah, I think about that a lot. Like you said, when you're talking about, like, this fandom, like, I think about it a lot, Mm -hmm. Um, you know. Like, a lot of people don't understand if you're not in it, but, like, if you're in it, it makes complete sense. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, my first one on my list, mine are in no particular order. Are yours? Um, I tried to do them as best, like, chronologically. So, like, with the first one and then, like, even interspersed. So, like, what is truly chronologically, but I don't think I got it exactly right. Okay. But it's as best as I could get it. Yeah, mine is in the order of a brain dump. So, <laughs> that, that is how <laughs> mine is organized. So, my <laughs> first one here, when we talk about, you know, the, the minute that Brenna said, like, let's do our top 10 favorite scenes, this scene from Med was the very first one that popped into my brain. And so this one is from Chicago Med, season one, episode 14. Now, this is a lot happens in this episode, actually. This is the episode where um, Sarah basically has really bad anxiety and like she passes out in front of a patient. And um, Natalie is treating a kid who's got a brother who turns out to be a psychopath. But the the big one here is that Ethan has Ethan is dealing with his PS, er, PTSD and He's got a patient that comes in who all he keeps saying is that he can hear his heart pounding inside of his head and nobody will listen to him. And so he runs into the ED, takes a pencil and stabs himself in the ear so that he could be seen. Mm. And so, yeah. And so um, they finally find out what's wrong. And basically he's a vet. So shrapnel and like just scar tissue from wounds that he's he's endured over the years. It's basically formed a malformation that has acted like an echo chamber. So that he really does hear his heart pounding inside of his head. So 
you know, Ethan, Ethan listens to him and is able to say, hey, there's a physical reason that you're like, you're, you're not crazy. And everybody telling you you're crazy is wrong. And so they have to tell the patient like, hey, there's no solution to this. And the patient, of course, is just like, like, you've got to be kidding me. This is driving me nuts. And they have this moment at the end of the episode where Ethan and Vicky, because this was pre-Ethan and April, Vicky was still around. They do an ultrasound of his heart and they just say, they're like, okay, well, we wanted to show you your brother in arms. And he's just like, what are you talking about? And so Ethan says, he's like, do you see how hard your heart is fighting for you? And he says, he's like, we can't make you the person you were before. And dealing with this is going to be a long process. But it would help if you could think of that pounding in a different way. And so he just says, he's like, look at that. It's like a reassuring, comforting sound that your heart is there for you. This scene has always stayed with me since season one as like, because this is the first time that this show like really gave me feels. And I was just like, oh, my heart, like, oh, my emotions. And this scene has just stuck with me ever since. And so that episode really stands out to me. I forgot about that moment. That's a really, you said when you were like, oh yeah, I have a med one. And it's like a deep cut. And Mm -hmm. I was like, ooh, I'm excited. Yep, deep Um, cut. Yeah, that's a good one. It's a really good one. I I wanted I love that moment too because <clears throat> it really highlights like one of the things that I love that the med does is when they really lean into the toy military stuff. Yeah. And like that connection that he always has when he comes across someone with some form of PTSD or some military back related background. Like that is one of the when that's just one example of when this show was truly at its best. I don't know who writes those scenes, but like when they do that, it's like chef's kiss. It's just, they're always so good. I feel like when Ethan talks about his time in the military, that's when all of the walls go away. All of the armor just kind of like melts off and Ethan allows himself to be vulnerable. And that is when we see Ethan and we're just like, okay, he's actually not a bad guy. Yeah, I just, again, I just think that's when the show's at its best. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. What's your next one? Okay. My next one is from PD. It's PD 102, so very early on. Um, and it's basically Jules' funeral scene and, like, Voight's speech that he's giving to the unit kind of over top of that whole model. Again, montage. Again, I love a good montage and I love a good like end of end of episode montage. This is also um, the one that's in our intro. It is the one that's in our intro. Um and which is part of the reason why I think it ended up in our intro is just because it's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically Voight's talking about like this is still again Voight they just kind of came off their first big stuff as a unit and Voight's basically like you know I've been given the go ahead to run intelligence the way I want to run it. No interference. This is our unit now. He was like, you know, you do things my way, our way. You'll unclip your badge at the end of the night, knowing you did right. The police sitting next to you are your family. And to me, there's nothing more important. And then he's like, if you're in, stay here with me. Um, I'm again, in, Hank. I'm in. Line... Yeah. I mean, that line right there, the police sitting next to you are your family. And to me, there's nothing more important. Again, it kind of goes back similar to what we were just talking about with the Otis mon- monologue from before, but I just, they are a family. I mean, intel for what it's worth, intelligence does some fucked up shit, but like they are a family and this moment right here, like the creating of the family. Um, I just, I've always loved that scene. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that, I think the first part of that, that, that paragraph from Void, the first part didn't age well. The last part though is perfect. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's like hard because I'm like, oh, yeah, that first part definitely does not hold well. But it's really that last part, like the police standing next to you are your family. And there's to me, there's nothing that more important. Um, yeah. And even just to like overlaid over the Jules funeral scene, um, like reemphasizing that, too, that like the people next to you are the people who have your backs. And so like they'll have yours and you have theirs. And um, this is also right after they save Diego. So, I mean, feelings are, yeah, emotions are running high and they're definitely like, this is our family. Like, we take care of our own. Yeah, it's a good one. Love it. Good episode. Love it. Next up on my list is a deep cut from fire. Um, This is on some of your lists as well, but this is season one, episode 19. The episode's A Coffin That Small. This is when the child basically gets stuck in the chimney. He gets stuck. No, it's the laundry chute. The laundry chute, yeah. So um, a child basically gets stuck in a laundry chute. And the iconic image from this episode is when they give him, like, a firefighter's send-off. And, you know, you've got the fire trucks with the ladders and the water shooting. And all of them are in their blues. And they salute. And, you know, the family drives by. And this is one of the earliest, like, iconic images from fire that just, like, when you think of this show and you've been with it since day one, like, this is one of the moments you think of. Yeah, it's in my honorable mentions. Um, but oh, yeah, good. You did honorable mentions, of, too. Yeah, I have a few. Okay. Um, yeah, it's in my honorable mentions. Basically, just that, like you said, that image of all of them in the snow, mm-hmm. like, so white with, like, the darkness of, obviously, the limo and the mother and the other child in their black, you know, suits and dresses. But then also the darkness of the dress blues, like just the white and the black, like those kind of contrasting. Um, I just, it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. I mean, sad and t- it makes me cry every time, but mm-hmm. like so good too. But also um, that like, that that's like, that, it just completely epitomizes what the show is. And it stayed that way through eight seasons. Well, and this is technically right before Hallie dies. This yes. is technically before Hallie dies. So I think this was really true the first time, like, Fire did some, emo- like, really, like, pulled at your heartstrings and, like, got, like, tapped into that emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's so good. So good. So, so good. Very powerful moment. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Going from, like, really sad and powerful emotion to, like, super, super fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one on my list is Fire 308, Crew Zumba. <laughs> I mean, like, just makes me smile every damn time I watch it and think about it. And I just love, you know, like, everyone's there to support crews and, like, obviously poke a little fun. And, like, nobody can really do the moves. It's just, it's just so good. It's just so, 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 so good. And I need them to do another Kruzumba scene again soon, please. It is absolutely criminal that we have not seen Kruzumba once since that since that episode. Right. And, like, I just imagine Cruz is clearly teaching Zumba classes via Zoom, like, during this pandemic. Like, come on now. I mean, if we ever get to a point where we can do cons again, like a Joe Minoso Zumba class, sign me up. Oh, my God. Yes. Sign me up. I would be there in the front row. Hell yes. Yeah. I would like, I mean, I would bitch my way through it because I don't like to work out, but I would do it and it would be awesome. Oh, I love, I Zumba twice a week. Like, I love it. I would be there in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Bring Cruz Zumba back. But yeah, just, I mean, just. Yeah, amazing. And this amazing, was so amazing. perfect because it was so unexpected. Like, you're like, okay, Sylvie's at Zumba, whatever. And then Joe jumps out and you're like, oh, snap. Oh, my goodness. This is the most perfect thing <laughs> ever. Like, 
he's like all right and it's just like and then his face like his face when he sees her the first time that she shows up it's just like oh my god it's so good um the other good thing is the uh the uncut zumba video from like the end when everybody goes to the class like they release something on youtube where it's like just like the the feet that it's just the them dancing it's a video of them dancing uncut and at the end of it christian just walks off camera and like flips off the camera oh my god it's just so good it's just so good yeah oh it's perfection beautiful perfection okay so next up on my list is pd Okay, so this is going back to like one of my favorite episodes of all time of PD. This is season two, episode two, and this is the way station. This is the one where Bim Benick puts the hit on Jay and it basically ends with Jay being like, hey, Aaron, can I stay with you? But then somebody walks in the bar and starts shooting. Now, Jay has this like, he has a calm voice that he does when like, somebody's hurt or something or like somebody's about to die he has a calm voice and like when i tell you that like i freaking love jay's calm voice this is like one chicago asmr okay like i freaking love it <laughs> oh my god just like yes. put that on a loop for me of jay's calm voice like i will listen to that before i go to bed every night of him just being like it's okay <laughs> it's okay i'm right here stay with me i will listen to that because i'm pathetic that's but so good this is and this is one of those scenes that like you come you keep you find it on YouTube you find the clips and you're just like oh this is so good let me just rewind two seconds okay one more time one more time so when Maddie is shot Aaron runs outside she's like shooting up at the car or whatever she's just like listen bitch and inside Jay is trying to keep Maddie from like freaking out because homegirl's been shot in the neck okay and he's just full on calm voice he's like okay stay calm like it's gonna be okay stay with me it's gonna be okay it's gonna be okay and I just love that and then there's just one part where he looks at her he's like it's gonna be okay shh and I'm just like, mm. <laughs> tell me again, Jay. Tell me again. So, um, oh my God. that that's that's one of my favorites because it's freaking like one Chicago ASMR. So, <laughs> wow, what else would be in a one Chicago ASMR video? <laughs> ooh, ooh. <laughs> okay, okay, hold on, I'm thinking. <laughs> um, okay, what would I mean? But ASMR is sound. I was gonna say separate eyes, but like. He would have to look into yeah. the camera loudly. Um, <laughs> um, ooh, ooh, you got me on that one. I can't. Um, Jay Hall said pouring coffee. No, that would be weird. Um, <laughs> um, ooh, I have to think about that. I, I, I have no idea. I have to think about that. <laughs> so good. Okay. So the next one on my list is coming from Med, and it's Med 112. Um, so in this episode, basically what happens is there's a police officer who tries to stop a DUI driver from being taken to surgery. And ultimately, the whole thing ends up leading to Maggie being arrested. And basically, Connor goes to pick her up after she's arrested, which, like, it's kind of weird at first. It's like, why is Connor the one picking her up? And she even kind of says that. She's like, why are you, you know, like thank you but like why are you here um and so basically connor's like pissed off because he's like yeah you know the whole system's rigged and it pisses me off and he and her he and maggie are sitting in the car and he basically tells her this whole story about how he's been in jail before because he and a buddy got arrested trying or busted trying to buy drugs off an undercover cop and she's like really and he's like yeah he's like you know but my dad pulled strings so i got off and my friend didn't and he has this whole line. He says, you know, like, it turns out the lifeboat was only big enough for one of us. So I had a choice. He's like, I could stand by my friend or I could jump in. 
So I jumped in the boat and she's like, well, that's nice that you're telling me this, but like, why, like, why are you telling me this and not your friend? And Connor's like, well, I couldn't even make amends with him. He's like, I, he died before of an overdose before I could work up the nerve. Um, and something about this scene has always just stuck with me again. Like med, I feel like we see it occasionally. We always tend to praise PD for the stuff they've done about like white privilege and, you know, how they've handled stuff recently when it comes to race. But this scene with Med on Med has always really stuck with me because of that. Um, and, like, coming from Connor, of all people, because we all know of Connor's privilege when it comes to money. Um, and it it it's on... It's on full show right here, but, like, the fact that Connor recognizes that privilege and it makes him mad. Just another reason I love Connor, and I was just sad to see the way his storyline ended, which I'll talk about more later. But I love yeah. this scene, and I remember this. I just didn't remember the story behind it of, like, you know, him being arrested. And so it's interesting because, like, you – we've got to just sit and think about, like, the guilt that Connor carries, not just for his mom, but Connor carries a lot of guilt and I mean, yeah, he might have been, he might have been carry some guilt with him, you know, for the fact that, you know, he comes from this upbringing, like this privileged upbringing where, you know, he just wants to help, but he feels like he's always going to be knocked down by it. And so Connor Rhodes deserved better. Just... He did. And I will talk about that again later. <laughs> Spoiler alert. My, it comes back up on my list later. We will talk about it later. Yeah. I'm going to get to work on that, uh, that sticker like right now, just Connor and like Connor Rhodes deserved better. There's better. Yes, so we need better. that. We mm -hmm. need that. He really did. Just, yeah. 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 Okay, so next up on my list is Chicago Fire. This is season three, episode 20. And this is, you know where to find me. This is the one when Mills leaves. <laughs> I'm still not over it, like, five, six seasons later. But um, the it, it's the group hug at the end that always gets me. When they're at Molly's and it's his send-off. And this is when Mills gives Brett the shark from the dashboard like mm -hmm. every time i see that shark even now i'm just like mm, my heart but yeah mills gives her the shark and like brett starts crying and then mills is like stop it like don't do that and then they have like the big group hug and like brett crying made me cry and then they like all group hugged and then it just made me cry even more yeah yeah i'm like even just wanting to like tear up just thinking about it and if i remember correctly yeah. i don't think the group hug was scripted I don't remember, but it's a good scene. Just like, here's my heart. Rip it out. Stomp on it. Yeah. Um. Okay. So my next one is from PD305, and it is one of the most iconic scenes of all time. That is the most probably iconic scene if you in what Chicago history if you solely just listen to this podcast. Say it, Brenna. Say it. it. Is the couch. The fucking count! Yes! yes! <laughs> I mean, it's just so good. Like, I was rewatching it again the other day, and it just... Like, this is the moment when said could, like, finally realize their relationship could really happen, right? Yeah. Like, they bring the couch in to Aaron's apartment, and they have this, like, flirty little banter, and they sit down on the couch, because they had been talking about earlier about, like, what, do you get a couch that's, like, functional or do you get one that's, like, pretty and, like, not actually comfortable? And so they test out this couch once it's finally in Aaron's apartment. And Jay's like, oh, I think you actually got both. And she's like, function and form. And he's like, just like me. 
I have regular good looks plus razor sharp mind. It's rare, but when it comes together and then she just kisses him and he was like, what was that for? And she was just like something about like, you know, oh, I just want to thank you whatever. And then he kisses her and she's like, well, what is that for? And he's like, I just wanted to kiss you. Um, and it's just like, what are the most, if not the most iconic Linstead scenes? And it's just so good. So, 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 good. so, so good. I just, ugh. like the height of Linstead and it's just. <sighs> All of the like the couch sex euphemisms in the episode are just. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. Like when they're we're in that waiting room like earlier on or whatever, and like she's like looking through, like trying to pick out a couch, and he's like they're talking about the function and form for the first time, and he's like, I hope we're talking about the same thing. <laughs> yes. It's just so good. It's just so good. Oh, it's yeah, so perfect. Just the fucking couch. I remember at the end of that episode when he walks out with Aaron at Molly's when he like, you know, she's like, do you want to hold my hand in public now? Like, I remember the first time seeing that, like shooting my arms up in the air, like victory. Like, yes. Well, I remember. So that's in the next episode, technically. That's the end of 306. Um, but because that's a double episode. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I remember after I watching that for the first time te- or DMing you on Twitter and being like, Linstead happened. This is so great. And then you tweeted me that, or you tweeted about it, and you were like, "I convinced Brian on to Linstead. This is the greatest thing I've ever done." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. The the early days of our friendship. Those are really funny stories. Just because like we barely knew each other. That's funny, right? I mean, like we were like tweeting each other. Yeah, that was the only form of communication we had. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. Next up okay. on my list is also from PD. This is season four, episode three. This is when Platt is attacked. Um, Amy Morton just puts on a freaking masterclass for a whole hour. I mean, that's basically the summation is just Amy Morton puts on a freaking masterclass. Yeah. She's amazing. The The big scene here that stands out to me is the one between Voight and Platt at the end. And the, the Voight-Platt relationship I freaking love because, you know, Void is Void, right? He's in charge. He's, you know, oh, God, it's Void. Got to be like super respectful and professional. Not with Trudy. With Trudy, they're on the same level. You know, Platt can call him on his bullshit and vice versa, whatever. So Platt has gotten herself out of the hospital. She has gone and hunted down this guy who killed her dad because Platt, I mean, of course she's able to do these things. Like we should have never doubted her in the first place. But Mm-hmm. Void is able to track Platt down and this scene between them is amazing because you know Void's like you need to tell me the truth so I can fix this and Platt's like then you need to leave me alone so I can do what I came to do and Void's like no you can't do that and so Platt finally just explodes and she's like you of all people should understand this obviously referring to Justin and at this moment is when Platt just crumbles and she allows herself to like feel her emotions and be vulnerable and cry. And she cries on Hank's shoulder. I mean, nobody ever has that on their one Chicago bingo card, right? Like, you know. And no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is definitely not on ours. Yeah. Crying on Hank's shoulder is not a thing. And so, but it is for Trudy. And so, you know, he's just saying he, she's like, you know, uh, He's like, or yeah, so she, she's like, you should understand that. And he's like, yeah, but you're not me. Like, you would never be able to live with yourself. And Hank just, like, Hank does not handle this all Hank-like. He's not all, like, yelling in her face like he did to Upton last season. He just, you know, he's he's taking care of her. 
And so I, I just I just love this because it's a whole other side of Hank. It's a whole other side of Trudy. And it's like a ruthless side of Trudy, too. Like that image of her like standing before the guy with like the knife and like in the blazer still with like a black eye and everything. Oh, don't fuck with her. Do not fuck with Sergeant Platt. No, that's an amazing scene. I forgot about that scene, but that's a good one. It's a it's, great choice. It's yeah, it's pretty perfect. Like, listen to Marina when she says that Amy Morton is like the best actress ever because she's right. Yeah. Okay. Who? On to my next one, which is comes from Fire Four Hundred Four, which is an episode Gina and I will never discuss on this podcast. Never. It's the forbidden episode. But, but Herman's speech to Dawson after she loses a baby is like probably my favorite Herman speech of all time. Because and like Herman's speeches are just always the best, but this one makes me cry every single time. So basically, he tells her he's or you know he says he's like, so here we are, five kids later, and I got a family I never imagined, including one more girl that I didn't expect. She came to me full grown. She's strong and brave and courageous and special, and I love her like my own. And someday she's gonna make a great mom, and it just like makes me cry every time and i mean herman's speeches are always the best yeah like i have another one in my honorable mentions that's also really good but this one just like it doesn't it cuts me a different it just <laughs> it just yeah i i like it, it is great i just i cannot get past my hatred for this episode i just i, hate I know it. i hate I it so I, much but this scene is just so good I hate so many things about it. But yes, this is a very, very sweet scene. And like Herman knows just what to say. It like always knows what to say at the right moment. And like, yeah, it's quality. It's quality. And just, but, mm. oh, I hate that episode so much. It was a cop out. I know I didn't mean to get you riled up, but. It was such a cop out. Also, like Will never does surgery. And then all of a sudden he's in the operating room. And like Antonio is finally there and he doesn't say a word. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. We will never anyway. cover it. Go right. back to happy times. Pick and you pick, what's your next scene? I fucking hate that episode. Okay. So next on my list is from Med. So this one from Med, we are going back to the season four mid-season finale. Um, this is when it's it's Will and Natalie's wedding day. Everything is all sweet. And then Ray Burke just comes and ruins it all. That was his name, right? Yeah, this is the scene that I was telling you about that, like, when I was trying to, like, when I first thought of a scene for Med, this is the one I thought about. But to me, it's more memorable than it actually is my favorite. Like, it's more just, like, iconic because of Natalie in her wedding dress with, like, the blood on it rather than, like, me actually liking the scene. William, wedding dresses are expensive. Like, handle with care. And he just got blood on the dress and... Uh. Anyway, go back to what, talking about why this is your favorite scene. We stack like all the <laughs> scenes that make me rage together. Okay, so the last man said scene. I love this scene so much because I just, I'm a big Will Halstead apologist, right? Like, if any of you have ever watched Succession, I feel the same way about Kendall Roy. That I'm just like, this guy's horrible. Like, he does so many fucked up things. But also, like, I feel bad for him. And Will does dumb shit, right? He says things that make us angry. He treats Natalie in ways that we're just like, did he actually just fucking do that? But he's just, like, you also want to protect him at all costs, right? And so that moment when, like, he gets out of the car and he runs to Natalie and just, like, wraps her in a hug. and just, Like, 
I feel it. I just I feel everything that Will is saying in that moment. It just it that's one that like you just cuts you differently. Like when, you know, he's just trying to talk to Natalie, he's like, I'm so sorry. And Jay's just like, come on. And he's like, Jay, one minute. And then like right as they hug and he's like, I love you, Natalie. I just I feel it in my soul. Just like I felt that one <laughs> deep. I loved it. I love that moment because I just yeah, my Manstead feels are like everywhere. Just preach, Gina. Preach. You just like I feel in my soul. I do. I do. I just protect Will Halstead at all costs. Okay, like he drives me nuts, but protect him at all costs. Yeah, but no, like I said, this to me is like iconic because of obviously just the image of Natalie in the blood in the blood wedding dress, mm-hmm. um, and like Will just because of everything that happens in that episode. Honestly, I don't think I'll ever forget that episode. But, like, to me, that's not necessarily means it's a favorite. And so that was, like, where I had some hard times distinguishing between things. Yes, they're funny. You know, some things are fun or sad and, like, also memorable. But that doesn't mean they're my favorite. And so that was where my, like, hard time was prepping for this episode. I went with scenes that have stuck in my brain. Like. That's fair. Because it's just so hard to pick ten favorites out of, you know, eight years of television. Yeah. Okay. My next one comes from PD622, and it's when Voight tells Jay the unit will be hit someday. Yes. Uh, obviously, Voight, like, this is in the midst of every the Kelton and Brennan and all that stuff that, like, it's just not necessarily a great storyline, but it happened and whatever. Um. But anyway, Jay ends up pulling aside in the stairwell, which I don't think I ever remember stairs being in this precinct, but whatever. <laughs> there are, apparently. Anyway. And so Jay tells some Voight something similar that he's always told them that, like, if there's something I need to know, like, then you have to tell me so I can help you. And Voight tells him, like, he's going to go see Kelton and, like, do what needs to be do- done. And he tells Jay he's like basically you know Jay like this unit is gonna be yours one day like do it the right way and I think one of the reasons I really just love this scene so much is like we all know I mean Voight's not my favorite person on PD like he's at the bottom of my list um but I just love the idea of Jay running this unit one day like I really do Mm -hmm. um and I think it says a lot too I mean we we obviously talk a lot about the Voight and Jay dynamic on this podcast um and just like how complex it is and like how our interpretation of it is very different apparently than how they see it um but i just love the fact that like despite the fact that they butt head so much like Voight is saying like hey this unit is gonna be yours one day it's not gonna be upton's it's not gonna be ruzik's it's not gonna be burgess's like it's gonna be yours um, despite, again, the fact that they just continue to clash heads all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, something about that I just, I love. And I just, again, it, I love a good, like, rich, complex relationship. And Point and Jay is definitely that. And so this is just, like, a great moment. I love this moment. Do you think Voight and Jay's relationship is going to be the new Voight and Antonio? I mean, they kind of were already there, right? Yeah. I think so. Um, yeah, I think so. But if we ever really get there, like, they kind of, the thing that frustrates me most about it is, like, they kind of will, like, bring it up, and then they won't go there again, and then they'll bring it up again, and then they, like, won't go there for another ten episodes. It's just, like, be consistent with it. Mm -hmm. Like, it just makes me mad, but. 
Yeah, none of that, yeah. like, none of that dropped storylines, like, in this new world that we're in. Just, we're, you know, our brains can only take so much. Just, yeah. Somebody suggested at one point that we should do an episode on, like, our, like, storylines we wish hadn't been dropped. <gasps> which I think is a great idea. Oh, that's so good! Because there is a ton for One Chicago, and uh, we could come up with a list. Um, sure. We might have the very same one off the top of our heads. What's, like, the first one you think of? I don't even know what is yours brett's baby scare with antonio oh <laughs> yeah 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 that's a <laughs> yeah that's uh no i think idea. now the first one that i'm thinking of is uh casey's relationship with uh the darden boys like what the fuck mm. happened to the dardens they moved to florida and lived happily know, ever but after like but like that was like a whole season and a half Trope was the Dardens. Yep. And then we've literally never heard the word Dardens spoken again. <laughs> we really haven't. No, you're right. You are correct. Interesting. Hmm. Um, anyway. Speaking of fire, next up on my list is a scene from Chicago Fire Season 3, Episode 4. This... This episode was a filler, like straight up a filler. This was one of those episodes where NBC releases this promo. We're all freaking out like, oh, my God. And it turns out that like what is used in the promo is like five seconds of the actual episode. But we're three episodes removed from Shay's death and Sev is still spinning out. And so he basically goes to a bar. I can't remember if it's Molly's or not, but he I mean, he's like wasted. He's really trashed. It's been a night of just heavy, heavy drinking. And so he takes the train home and while on the train, basically the shooting occurs. It's like gang related activity. And the conductor of the train, she's shot in the chest. And Severide, again, is drunk off his ass. Like homeboy's got a nasty <laughs> hangover working. And he still saves the day. Like he apprehends one of the shooters. He gets her to safety. And he's just peak Severide. And he like engineers his way out of the situation. And it just, I love this because it just shows that this is in Severide's blood. Like, being a firefighter is in his DNA. And, like, he can find his way out of any situation. And so, you know, he basically is able to save this conductor because, you know, Shay basically ingrained all of these different things into him. And, you know, he trips the fire alarm to let the police know they're there. That's genius. Because Severide, once again, is the smartest character on One Chicago. Or Chicago Fire. I mean, no, I would say he's probably, he's like, he's pretty smart. I think I'd I actually say he's ar- I'd say he's arguably the most the smartest character in all of Chicago. I think I, yeah, I think I'm with you on that one. I I want to revise my escape room team and put Severide on it. Ooh, yeah. I think did you not have Severide on yours? I don't think I did, but also I okay, well, maybe because the question is 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 Severide going to participate in the escape room or is he just going to sit in the corner <laughs> and wait for everybody to figure it out? That is a great question. Um hmm. So I think you have to have Stella on your team. I think Stella will keep Severide motivated because she won't let him just sit in the corner. Yeah, she won't let him just sit in the corner. She'll be like, you have to come. And so I think if Stella is on your team, then you can get Severide on your team. Okay. Okay. So one of our listeners, Chrissy, she posted a thread earlier this week or maybe last week about all the one Chicago characters on a Zoom call. And when I tell you she nailed everybody... With like 110% accuracy. It's incredible. 
Um, but she said Severide is the one who's like muted, camera off. Nobody even knows if he's really there. I mean, <laughs> it's amazing. It's just so perfect. It's so perfect. But yes, in this episode, I mean, yeah, this is just in, it's in Kelly's DNA that he gets the job done. And he's so good with her, too, because, I mean, she's been shot in the chest. Right. And so he's like, we have to get to the next platform. And he even tells her he's like, you can do this. Like, just just Kelly, just Severide things, just Severide things. Yeah. And I forgot about this scene, but it's, again, so good. Such a good choice. It's so, so good. It's so good. But then I think Bowden kind of admonishes him, right? Bowden's like, what the hell were you doing on the L train at, like, 2 in the morning? And, like, he gets on his case for, like, him basically, like, spinning out. But, like, and the prize, Bowden. This is technically pre-Britney, right? Yes. By, like, two episodes, maybe. Got it. So my next one is a med scene, and it's pretty recent. It's from Med 501, and it's Connor's exit scene with Latham. <laughs> and it's just, oh, I'm like, want to like get teary thinking about it. So basically, Connor drops by to thank Latham for being his mentor. And, you know, because he's leaving Med, he's never going to be able to get past what happened, and he just needs a fresh start. Uh, and Latham's like, you know, I'm going to miss you. And Connor's like, well, you know, that's very kind of you, but you will find another surgeon. And he's like, no, that's not what I meant. And Latham's like, no, that's not what I meant. He's like, I'm not talking about a surgeon. He's like, I don't want my friend to go. Mm. And again, like, Connor, Connor had more of acquaintances on this show than he, I think, really had friends. Um, but this is something, a relationship that, unfortunately, because of... Ado Essendow's um, recurring role, like it kind of just like got lost in the shuffle a lot of times. But if you go back and watch Connor and Latham scenes, like they're just so good and so rich and so complex. Like that was just such a good relationship that I wish had gotten the chance to be developed more. But like this scene, I feel like is just it says a lot, and I think it says a lot too about how the fandom felt about Connor's exit. Mm-hmm. Um, and how I just, it just, again, still makes me sad that, like, Connor got written out the way he did. Same. Same. And I agree with you. I mean, he had mostly acquaintances because he never really let anybody get too close, right? He never really wanted to, he didn't come to the hospital well, to make he friends. Never really, he was never really in the ED either, mm-hmm. right? And that was kind of the issue that we always felt with, like, when he got to be in the ED, we were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Yeah. Like, he's in the ED. He's not with Ava. Like, what is happening? Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I just, I, something about that scene and like, especially just the way, you know, Latham says, he's like, I don't want my friend to go. And like Connor, like takes him the win. He's like, wow. You know, it's like, oh, just kills me in the heart. Yeah. Yeah. It's me right here. I think Connor definitely considered Latham a friend too. Yeah, I do too. Um, I'm like, I think there are definitely times where he didn't, but I think at that moment, if he hadn't already realized it, he realized that like Latham was his friend. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think probably Latham would be the person Connor keeps in touch with from Med the most. I was just going to say, do you think they keep in touch? They definitely do. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely do. Connor definitely calls Latham with questions. Oh yeah. hundred percent. From the Mayo Clinic, because that's where he went. (laughs) (laughs) In my happy headcanon, in my head. So, yeah, very good. Um, I also have one from Med here. This one is also recent. Season 5, episode 17. This is Maggie and Ben's wedding. It's very rare to get a 
solely joyful, happy moment on Chicago Med and like to sit in it and bask in it for a little bit. It's very rare. And we got this with Maggie and Ben's wedding because everybody was together, just that big family dynamic in a bowling alley, which is like the coolest thing ever. And that end montage with that 90s song playing in the background and everybody's just having fun. It's just we hardly ever get to see At it. At the bowling alley. At the bowling alley. Yeah, it's just a very joyful moment that we never get to see. Also, it's interesting to note this episode aired on St. Patrick's Day, which is really, I mean, for me personally, when all of the COVID stuff really started to pop off. So it was almost kind of like a last one of those like last minute scenes of joy before things got really heavy and serious. So yeah. I love that moment. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, I love that. Like, Maggie just has deserved to be happy for so long. And the fact that she's finally happy is just means the world. She deserves the world. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of kind of related to COVID, I guess. Uh, my next scene is from, is the end montage for the infection crossover. Mm-hmm. So basically PD 704, technically. Um it's Sharon talking, and she just has this whole montage that I just have always loved. And basically her monologue in this is, you know, fear is a funny thing. Some of the time it brings out the worst in people, but fear also brings out the very best. We certainly saw that today. Their love, loyalty, care, and kindness, their support, generosity, and appreciation. And for a few, a certain few among us, fear brings out something different. Their choice to be heroic, to stand steady to hold on to each other, to find a way to hold on to hope and to lean on each other like family. And like the last scene of this montage that's happening as well and Jay having drinks at a bar that is not Molly's. <laughs> Again, not Molly's. Um, and they're just like, you know, look at this man. And it's like, what? And it's like life. Like, it's just something about that obviously resonated with me like back in the last year when this first aired but I think it really resonates with me even more now. Right. Um, obviously, having gone through the pandemic and, you know, um, not really knowing, you know, being so uncertain, but also seeing what she's talking about with, like, um, you know, our essential care workers. Um, I think that would describe them to a T. And I just, something about the scene is always just has stuck out to me. And I think, again, like, that is the best crossover still that I think this show has ever done. I think it'll be really hard to top that. And it just, you know, it was kind of the perfect way to end it. That's also the moment where we finally get to like take a breath after three hours of insanity. <laughs> yeah. That crossover is insane. insane. In the best way, but insane. Insane. Yeah. But like, oh man, knowing how hard they worked on that crossover and just it like, it was just so well executed. Yeah, I loved, I mean, literally, again, I don't know how hard, it'll be hard to top that one for sure. The the image that stays with me from the crossover is um, LaSalle Street, just completely empty during the parade. Yeah, somebody mentions that later, but can they do a crossover this year? That's a really good question. I want to say I doubt it. That's a really good question. I don't know, but that's something that I've been thinking about. They should just do an episode like Parks and Rec did with everybody as like floating heads. (laughs) that'd be fun it wouldn't work but like i wish it would (sighs) yeah yeah so um next up on my list is another one from pd we're taking it back to season two now brian has talked about the couch i'm taking it back a little further than that we're going to season two episode 11 this is linstead's first kiss 
this was like the first big payoff in Chicago PD history where, you know, mm-hmm. the pressure was building, the tension was there, everything had been set up absolutely like perfectly. And it was just, it was, it was perfectly timed. And it's just like the minute that happened where Linstead's first kiss happened, it was just like the pressure valve was released. And this scene was everything we wanted it to be and more like this first kiss scene could not have been more perfect yeah it's so good this is so good this is the first kiss that like you imagine in the fanfics that like you sit there and just kind of like headcanon (laughs) about this was that represented on screen it was perfect yeah i mean it's yeah i still i have lots of words and it's just so sexy and it's just it's ever it's so good it's so good. It's so perfect. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we're done our last ones. We are. Um, so my last one actually comes from PD's finale. Um, most recent season finale. So 720. Um, and it's Kevin's last moment at the end of the episode where he's like, I'm right here. Um, basically, I think you guys all know the scene because it's the most recent one we've had. But Kevin pulls up outside sees one of Doyle's guys, like, leaning on a car across the street. He confronts them, which leads to a handful of cars lighting up and driving by Kevin. And Kevin's, you know, standing there. And he, like, puts his arms out. And he's like, you know, he's like, you know exactly where I'm at. I'm right here. And it's just, like, I think that'll also be an iconic image to me. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's still very fresh in my brain because we only just saw that episode for the first time a few months ago. But, like, something about... Kevin standing there in the street with all the cars going by him with his hands out like Mm -hmm. it something about that is just such an iconic image to me um and Kevin I mean we've talked about this very recently so I won't talk about it too much longer but yeah I just I love that scene it is so crazy to think that like PD did not effectively use LaRoyce to their full potential until like season five it's insane yeah it's insane. What is also kind of crazy, too, to think that, like, that wasn't intended to be. Like, I thought, I mean, like, again, obviously, there's still a lot of story to tell with this storyline. But I thought that was also, like, a pretty good, if you had to end your finale somewhere, like, I thought that was a pretty good ending to, like, a season. Yeah. Um, Like, I thought it was pretty effective. I know that wasn't what they had planned, but, like, I thought it was pretty effective. And, like, once um, again, it was kind of, like, one Chicago kind of predicting what was to come. Yeah. Um. But no, it's just such a good, I mean, it's such an iconic moment to me. 100%. 100%. I so. love that moment. Last up on my list is another one from Fire. Um, this is from the two-hour movie in season six that just, like, just drained us of all emotion. So this is from the first hour. The second hour is where Otis is sadly shot. Um which, like, I will never forget the day at the convention that, like, you heard it in the meet and greet and, like, you basically whispered <laughs> it to me like like we were CIA. Um, such yeah. a great time. Such a great, 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 great moment. It was a great moment. Yeah. Just Bryna, like, comes up. I'm in line for Joe's autograph. Bryna comes up to me and she's like, Gina, Gina, I figured something out. I'm like, what'd you figure out? And she's like, so this just happened in the meet and greet and I think the one who gets hurt is Otis. And we both just kind of stood there for a second in line for autographs, just like with our faces completely just like shocked. It was so funny. (laughs) Oh, man. Great moment in one Chicago history. But the first hour of this two hour movie saw this. We had this case basically where they responded to a call and this woman had driven her car up on like a rack of shopping carts or something. There was basically an accident at a grocery store with the car. And 
as the episode goes on, Casey and Dawson are both like, something's wrong here. I think the wife is being abused. And it's the end here that gets me because like, this is the scene that like Casey, I feel like Casey became a firefighter for this moment because Casey, his mom, you know, his mom was abused. We all know that. Right. And his basically they, they respond to this fire at the end of the episode where it's the same couple and the husband has basically been beaten in the head with something. And in the middle of this fire, Casey finds the wife just sitting on the couch in the living room, which is burning around her calm as can be. And Casey just, you know, he lets everybody else handle the fire and he just meets her on her level and sits down again. There is fire burning around them. This is like this is the literal like this is fine meme. It's just there's like fire all around them. <laughs> and he sits down with her and he just says he's like, OK, the person that went through this that I knew it was my mom. And she went to prison for a long time for the way she handled it. And he says, you can go down that road or you can go to a shelter, but it gets better. I promise you have an entire life to live that you haven't even seen yet. And he just takes her by the hand and leads her out like that is like the whole Matt became a firefighter for this very, very moment because, I mean, his entire life was shaped by his abusive father. Right. And by what he experienced and what he went through in his childhood, he is able to save this woman. And it's totally full circle. And like, I, I just love that so much. Yeah, that's a great moment, too. Speaking of drop storylines that. You unfortunately never got picked back up Casey's past his yeah. family yeah yeah anyway <laughs> um, um quick bit of one Chicago trivia what is his niece's name Violet good job just checking anyway um so I think we both have some honorable mentions before we get to our listeners favorites mm-hmm. um Minor, a bunch of mine are like kind of simple. So like, I'll just run through a couple of them real quick. Um, PD one hundred nine, um, the iconic like at least call the ambulance Peterson um, <laughs> from Lloris. Um I think that's honestly more iconic because he did it at Con. He did that like impersonation. I mean, that's a great moment, but I think I love it more just because of the Con experience with that scene. Yeah. Um, um, PD 203, it's literally just one line, but when Jay says to Roman, like, first of all, it's detective. Never gets Iconic. old. Uh, never never gets, gets old. old. Um, and PD 208, which honestly, I love so PD 208. That's a great one, and we really need to do that at some point. That's the under the sex the, club. Like, under- yeah, we've never done that, and I think that's a great episode. Yeah. Um, but like the whole playtime for my girl, like, that's <laughs> just that scene is like great. Um, we kind of briefly already talked about Fire 119 when the snow drive-by, um, funeral scene. Um, I also really love Fire 124. That's one of my favorite fire episodes of all time. Um, but, like, when Herman has his last kid Mm -hmm. and Cindy wants him to shoot, like, a little vlog wisdom to the baby and Herman, first of all, can't work a camera, or this (sighs) iPhone camera, which is great. Um, but it's where we get our quote from our intro, um, and he says, you know, he's like, like I said, it's not all going to be sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's going to be one hell of a ride. Oh, um, I love how you have both parts of our I, intro in there. I love them. <laughs> um, and also, and then Med 210. Um, this is actually a follow up to my other Med episode that I picked because the cop that arrested Maggie is brought in and she ends up dying. 
and they end up taking her organs for transplant. And as they're wheeling her heart out to go to another body, um, you see the line of cops all in their dress blues in the hospital halls. Um, I remember that. Answer. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. That was good. Yeah, it was really good. So those are all of my like honorable mentions, like kind of on the cusp. But and some of them are just because like, again, like Jabe saying to Roman, like, first of all, it's detective is literally just one line. Um, but it's just to me, like, I just I love that moment. So it, yeah. it really never gets old. Never. <laughs> really never gets it will never get old never no. first of all it's, it's detective. detective it's beautiful just, it's art the art the sass yeah. <laughs> um i've only got two honorable mentions um because i mean really these were just as i was making my list i was just like oh that one too oh that one too and i was like i gotta throw these together but the two that i have on my list um chicago fire season three episode 23 what this one this is the season three finale so in season three casey is off doing construction for the strip club right and at the very end of this episode, they get called to a warehouse fire. And this is season three. So like warehouse fires are not cause for concern yet. They don't like trigger our anxiety into later seasons. But Dawson and Severide are trapped in this fire. And I think Dawson falls and then Severide gets her. And then they like, you know, since Severide's with her, they're trying to get out and they can't. And so um you know they are basically trying to find like their masks run out of air they try and find water off the hose and then outside the other chief who's not Bowden is saying he's like cut the lines like that's it we're done and Cruz is just like how how can you do that there are still firefighters inside like how dare you and there's a moment when the water turns off where Gabby looks at Severide and she just barely squeaks it out but she's just like I'm sorry and Severide just, he doesn't say anything. Like, he doesn't, you know, he all he does is he just grabs her and he pulls her close and is like, if we're going out, we're going out together. And it's just, the like, the Dawson and Severide relationship was beautiful all on its own. Without Casey. Dawson and Severide were just a beautiful bro TP because the dynamic between them was so good, right? It was just like... I feel like I never I never worried when Dawson was with Severide and like Casey would freak out sometimes and be like, what the hell are you doing? But like Severide would never let anything happen to her. Like ever. No, he wouldn't. No, because no, Gabby's his best friend's soulmate. I mean, he knows that. And so he basically he holds he minus like the romantic love part. He holds Gabby in the same regard that Casey does. She's precious cargo. So right. like, yeah, he's yeah. he would never let anything happen to her. And so I just love that moment because it just shows their friendship and how, you know, Severide is just like, we're doing this together. Like if we're going out, we're going out together. So I love yeah, that. It's a great one. The other one on my list is PD season two, episode 13. This is the last half of the crossover with Adrian Gish. Um, Antonio, yes. Antonio, man, he goes like he he goes like Avenger in this moment, like runs in like pries open the elevator with his bare fingertips and just like it's like one full motion he just pries open the elevator like grabs the gun aims it and boom and like done <laughs> um i yeah. love the moment when he reunites with gabby because you know he was cool and he was all like cop antonio not like you know he was like gotta get the job big done antonio. antonio and then yeah the minute those doors open and he grabs gabby he becomes big brother and I just love that moment so much because we never saw that those like vulnerable moments between Antonio and Gabby because both of them are so badass. They would never like be vulnerable like that. And I love that. So, yeah, those are my one. ramblings. Yeah. Um, but you guys sent us 
a ton of your favorites. Like, so this is honestly many. one of the most active times. You, you guys have been the most active in all of hiatus. This was great. Yeah. Um. So we're going to run through a bunch. Obviously, we can't get to them all, but thank you guys for sending them to us. There's yes. some really good ones in here. Um. So, Gina, you just want to alternate? Yeah, man. Okay. So, okay. Annie had a couple from PD and Fire. So Annie said in PD, the hospital scene in 713 with Ruzik and Burgess and just how Ruzik says, you know, I'll be right here, Kim. That kills me, too. And I actually just posted a GIF of that sometime this week where just like it just I, sometimes you just think about that scene and you're just like, I'm sad. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Um, for Fire, she said when Otis passes away in 801 and cruises with him. Yes yes see and to me i love that scene so much i don't know if i can call it a favorite though because it just like honestly breaks my heart every time i even think about it but it is such a great scene the scene that always stands out to me from that episode is when cruz is in the ambo with him and the the medic just like takes off his jacket and cruz sees like the full extent of his injuries like my jaw dropped just like completely organically just went oh my god like um and then like joe screamed just oof it's it's heart wrenching. Yeah. So, um, from Med, Annie said that Maggie and Ben's wedding was also a favorite because yeah. yeah, it's the best. Yeah. So Kim said one of my faves is in 301 when Aaron saves Jay from his abduction. We hear the shots behind the closed doors and they open and she emerges like a badass having taken out all the bad guys. That is also a great scene. Um, I'm just glad it was you that they sent in. Ugh. Ugh. Just like. <laughs> Knife in the heart and twist it. Ugh. We re- we've done that episode, but like we should ugh. do it again. <laughs> <laughs> no, we we need uh, we should do a Linstead episode at some point. Oh my god, yes, yes, yes. After like, the next one, we've already started planning for the next one. Yeah, but we should do a Linstead episode for sure. Bryna, I'm just glad it was you that they sent in. I yeah, Gina, I was so glad it was you. Uh, yes um next up is from peter and peter said casey breaking down when hallie dies yes yes this is another episode that sticks out in my brain just how casey breaks down and everybody's just kind of standing back and mills is like none of you are gonna go to him like are you fucking kidding me right now it's perfect yeah that is a also i like so terribly but that is an iconic death it is because it's brutal so brutal. So bad. Um, M said, the Severide and Bowden scene after Benny dies. Severide's tears got me. Yes. Alongside Bowden telling him what Benny did for them. Your father told Grissom I am the type of leader who molds good men into great ones. Kelly, you're all the proof he needs to know that's true. Yes. That yes, moment with Bowden, and that's like, that's a big cry. That's the kind of cry where the tears are just like so heavy that they're just jumping out of your face. Uh, oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's a killer. That's a killer. Yeah. Next one up is from Johanna, and I'm really sorry if I said your name wrong. Um, oh man, this is this this scene is like it, it's a it's a double edged sword. Some of us love it. Some of us are like, oh damn it. Err. Okay, this is from Fire. This is the season five finale. Yes, season five. Okay, this is you're my miracle, Gabby. I just I yeah, it's you're my miracle. Which like. That's a killer. It is a killer. I think the what killed me more from this was when Derek's treated, uh, Derek tweeted the script page, and it was basically supposed to end with, like, Casey in the fire saying, like, goodbye, my love. 
Yeah, that would have been brutal. Mm-hmm. 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 Brutal. Brutal. I mean, this was already brutal, but, like, that would have made just, like, the dagger to the heart even more. Yeah. Um, for PD, she has when Jay was shot in 602. I like to not relive that one. That was just... Me either, but... Yeah. That was just brutal all around. Or any of the times Jay was shot. I can handle when he was shot on fire. <laughs> but the other times he was shot, I can't handle. Yeah. And it's always in the same spot. Always. Which, always. I mean, I guess it's better than nothing because he survived all of them, but still. Jay's poor shoulder. Poor shoulder. Yeah. Um, and then later on was, if I was going to follow someone blind, I'd follow you. That is art. That scene is art. Great scene. Um, Lucas had Benny's funeral. He said something about the fire truck showing up and the sirens and the flags always hit me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't see Benny dying with, I, I couldn't see Benny's funeral going any other way. Like the, I mean, as fucked up as Benny was, like he still was a firefighter. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Um, Jessica said, I love seeing the raw and real emotions of Kelly after his dad died. It changed something in him and it made him a better man. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Um, also, thank God for Stella, because I think if Stella hadn't been around when his dad died, he probably would have spun out again. Yeah, probably. Vela mm-hmm. um, said one of my all time faves is one with the one with Burgess, Dawson and Platt in the back of Molly's before the plow wedding. <laughs> it's just great. <laughs> the scene with Burgess and the it's vodka. So yeah. Yes. It's so good. Iconic. It's a good one. So, so yeah. good. Uh, Cassidy said, fire 615. Uh, Severide runs into the house with the live bullets to save Stella. And Bowden just, like, chews him out later. And he basically just says, like, I can't go through this again. I get that. Um, somebody tweeted the clip today from that episode when he and Casey are walking through med. And... Casey's like, I get it. Like, you ran in there because someone you love was in trouble. He's like, but those feelings, like, that doesn't go away. And they just pan over to Gabby and Stella just kind of sitting there, like, doing their thing. So good. So, so good. Yeah. So, so good. Um, and then she also said PD-720, where the police car surround Outwater, like you said. Yeah. Yep. I agree with her, though, when she said, you know, like, when he yells, I'm not going anywhere, and the cinematography of all that, like, it's so good. Oh, yeah, like, that, the the, the flashing lights against, like, the night sky, it's just beautiful. Well, and, like, the crane shot, too. Yeah. The shot from above, it's so good. Um, Amanda said, when Savride went back to that old woman's house after Anna died, Ugh. um, it's a great scene. Um, also a tricker, but also a great scene. Um, she also said, I also loved when Voight and Jay got into it during 701. Um, and then she also says, and finally when Otis ran over the turtle enclosure at the firehouse. When was that? I don't remember that. It's early on, but that's a good one. Ooh. I don't okay. remember exactly what, but that's like an early, like, season, like, early firehouse hijinks. Okay, if y'all remember when that was, please tell us. Good one, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, last up from Alexa. Uh, Alexa had the latter scene in the episode called The Last One for Mom. Um, I don't remember that one either. I don't remember that one. Yeah, I don't remember that I one. I might look it up, but I don't remember it. Um, the Empty Street and the Infection crossover. Yes. Yes, yes. Um, and when Severide watched the contract for the first time since Shay. Also, yes. Yeah. That Indie Street and the Infection crossover is i mean not only because we saw them film it which was also really cool mm-hmm. but it's just such a again that is a moment we will always remember 
Like, yeah. That is a moment we will always remember. Yeah. And I mean, you could you could feel like the eerie stillness of it. Like just even from like, I mean, we didn't like see them see them film, but we were around a corner and you could just feel like the eerie stillness of just like, whoa, this is crazy. It was cool. It was really, really cool. Yeah. Severed watching the yeah. contract. Mm, I'm so sad. Um, yeah. Any other favorites? Any other notable scenes to mention? Not really. I mean, I love talking about them, though. So if you guys have any more, send them to us. Yeah, that was very cathartic. That was fun. Yeah, I'm glad we did this. Same, 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 same. So um, as always, listeners, you know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. It's meet us at Molly's right across the board. Email us anytime about anything. Meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. Um, if you really like the show, which we really hope you do, because you've made it all the way to the end. Um, if you could please drop us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to us, we would so, so greatly appreciate that. Um, you can actually find us. Well, no, actually. Yeah. Fo- OK, so follow us individually on Twitter. I'm getting my spiel all mixed up. Follow us individually <laughs> on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. Bryna. I am at Brian K13. So next week, you guys are super lucky because you're not hearing from us once. You're hearing from us twice. Our very wait, what? Wait for it. Our very good friend oh, Christine had us I back. Know what you're saying. I know. <laughs> yeah. What? I was like, what um, are you talking about? Our very dear friend Christine invited both of us to join her on her Heart of Dixie podcast, Long Live the Heart. We've both been on it before, so we returned, and you will be able to hear us on Monday's episode, along with our very good friend Shadia Omer. Shadia hosts the Guilt-Free TV podcast, so give that a listen. We always have fun talking about Heart of Dixie with our friends. It's such a feel-good show. Um, and then it you was, will- I mentioned something real quick. Yeah. As I was recording this last night, I was like, that was fun. We were recording it last night. But I, like, was talking to my brother today, and he was like, I don't know why you were laughing so hard, but I could hear you laughing in the <gasps> other room with the door shut. And I was like, really? He was like, yeah. He was like, and I, he was like, I don't know what you were talking about, but all I heard was you laughing hysterically. And I was like, yeah, because it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. It always, it's always very, it, it feels very good to talk about Heart of Dixie. Like, it, it's a stress reliever. So, yeah, definitely give that a listen. We had a lot of fun. We love our friends so much. Um, and then you will hear from us with a new episode later in the week. And we're actually going to talk about Voight's very first appearance on Chicago Fire ever. Ever. So that will be interesting. Yeah, I haven't watched that episode in a really long time. Me neither. So it'll be fun. It'll be, yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be a lot of fun. So um, in the meantime, we've got a Tee Public store. The link is in our bio everywhere. Check that out. And yeah. Everybody have a good weekend and we will see you next week. Bye.